Hello and welcome to Bandcast Movie Trash. I'm DB and with me as always is Aaron. Hello. And Jared. Hi. <laughs> That's Hi. how I feel about this. <laughs> I'm so pleased. Erin, for the first time in a long time, has been enthusiastic in her hello. So uh, that's that's uh, we're swapping enthusiasms. Oh, yeah. It's extra, too, because I know you guys did not enjoy this, which makes it even the better for me. I'd rather look at Sylvester Stallone's dick for 94 minutes. I had his dick out the whole time while I watched this. Yeah, you, have well. it, you have it pasted in the upper right-hand corner of your TV, just to, just in case the movie gets a little boring. You can turn your attentions to that. Plus, sometimes you know the faces line up. <laughs> it looks like they're talking to his schwanz. That's good. Uh, so, well, yeah, well, with that, welcome to the first in our lifetime true crime double feature. We just got finished watching A Killer Among Friends. This is a lifetime movie from 1992, starring. Patty Duke, Margaret Welsh, Tiffany Amber Thiessen, Tiffany Thiessen, yeah, and directed by Charles Robert Carner, Charles Robert Carner, uh, and if that name doesn't ring a bell, it probably shouldn't, although he did do some major motion pictures, he directed Vanishing Point with Viggo Mortensen in 1997, he directed Witless Protection, a Larry the Cable Guy feature in oh, wow. 2008, and the biggest one here is that he co-wrote the screenplay for Jim Cotta in 1985. <laughs> Aaron, hey. if you're not familiar with Jim Cotta, don't worry. We're going to get to it Sunday. It is a movie about the fusion of gymnastics and karate. Oh my god, that sounds like uh, <laughs> sounds like this is this was not a passion project. Sounds like this was like, yo, I need money, Hallmark. Yeah. Oh, this one or Jim Cotta? Because Jim Cotta uh, is definitely a passion Jim project. Jim Cotta is a passion project. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is there is there a fella from the wrong side of the tracks in that one? Um, I don't know. There's a former Olympic gymnast in it who's the star. <laughs> and uh, maybe that's not who you should cast as your lead. But he did do the gymnastics, apparently. So oh, wow. don't worry, Aaron. We'll satisfy your curiosity because we'll have to watch it someday and discuss. Yeah, because now there's a connection. <laughs> yeah, that's I, right. And you know what? I'm open to that. Okay. All right. Yeah, I've never... Patty Duke is the mother of Sean Astin who played Bob in Stranger Things. Oh, Yeah. Rudy. Oh, no way. Okay. Yeah. And, yeah, and he's Rudy, and he was in the Lord of the Rings movies. Yep. Yeah. Patty Duke, she is the mother of the victim here in A Killer Among Friends, based on a true story. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the true story and how it compares to this lifetime uh, depiction of it. So the mother, Patty Duke, uh, she was Helen Keller in The Miracle Worker in 1962. Youngest Oscar winner. And she was also in Valley of the Dolls in 1967 alongside Sharon Tate. Whoa. Oh, yeah. And she was also cousins, two of a kind, the Patty Duke show. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know she was like a big TV star, right? So this yeah. is kind of on the downslope of her big TV fame. Well, Lifetime is like the Vegas of show business. It sure is. It's the Vegas of television stars. You'll get like a movie star, I think, and they're here. And I'll probably prove myself wrong by the end of this sentence. But I feel like people that were big and on a television show... They do the Lifetime movies. They didn't do movies, but they're like, I got a made-for-TV movie. 
how do we explain then Tiffany Thiessen, who at this time was coming off of Saved by the Bell, right? Yeah. I'm going to ask that you refer to her as Tiffany Amber Thiessen. Okay. Only because, (laughs) only because I appreciate that now that actress wants to just, she wants to drop the Amber off and wants to go by Thiessen. But at the time, she was still Tiffany Amber. Now, I was not a Beverly Hills 90210 fan. So this is pre-90210. So this is between Saved by the Bell and 90210. Would that be correct? 1992? Yes, that is correct. But I would also, my guess would be that she was still, not my guess. I know for sure she was still doing Saved by the Bell. When she did this. All right. So she chose this. And then, of course, Elizabeth Berkeley chose Showgirls. And we all know who made the better decision there. (laughs) Spoiler alert. (laughs) And Tiffany Thiessen plays Jenny Monroe, who is based on the real life person, Missy uh, Avila. Based on, yeah, Missy Avila. And I don't know why they picked Jenny. I know. I, I love that. I just was going to, I have that in my notes that it's like the actual girl is Latina that was murdered. And they were like, yeah, we're going <laughs> to, this is going to be about a white girl. Just, nice try. Yeah. Viewers want to see a beautiful, innocent white girl get murdered. Natalie Holloway. They don't want to see, right. Here, here are at Lifetime, we run a pretty tight ship. <laughs> yeah, yeah, especially in the early 90s. Lifetime invented the term Karen. Lifetime invented, why. yeah, right. Her name, well, no, no. Lifetime didn't invent um, the name Karen because Karen is actually the name of the real murderer. And in here, her name is Ellen. Ellen. Yeah. Karen, Ellen. It's all the same to me. Lifetime's definitely for the, you know, the middle-aged women that are upset that they they never had a stalker at any point in their lives and <laughs> nobody ever loved them enough to do that. But I also think that Lifetime is television for a man who is married to an overly dominant woman because Lifetime does like to... They really love to rape and murder these women. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it, that's why Tom Selleck had a career. Those, yeah, those weak men love to watch the villain, the woman, get taken down. Well, Tom Selleck raped and murdered women in real life. I mean, oh, this, is, oh. this is just Lifetime movies. Well, he did it in Lifetime, I think. Oh, he did? Oh, is he a regular on the Lifetime movies? I think so. I don't know about that, really. I never saw him on one. Yeah, he just has that look. Wait, what are we talking about Tom Selleck raping and murdering people? I don't know. Jared brought it up. Jared's casting aspersions all over the place, quite frankly. No, Tom I'm... Selleck looks like the wife beater. There's no way Tommy's getting down like that. I won't hear any of it. Yeah. I'm sorry. I have bias. A lot of middle-aged white women. You uh, could have said Burt Reynolds, and then Aaron would have been all for it. She would have jumped on board, but not Tom I would have Selleck. been like, I always thought so. Uh, remember, if you recall, Aaron thinks that Burt Reynolds is a little too flashy, I think it was. I definitely get a misogynistic vibe off of him. He's a little too old school. Oh, yeah. he's If you talk at a turn, he's going gonna to yeah. smack you. Five across the ass. With the white- <laughs> he said, shut up, bitch. Well, across the ass if, you, if it was a, a, a modest breach of impropriety, but if it was a, a big one, then you're getting it across the face. That's how Bert rolls. He'd give me like a little backhand to the mouth. Yeah. Oh, I li- <laughs> not not do a full strike. Bert doesn't Just, go little. Know, Bert's go big or go home. Just a wrist's worth of a backhand. A fay slap backhand. Yeah. So, okay. <laughs> the warning shot. So I, I think we should just do a very brief synopsis of this. You don't want to talk about Burt Reynolds the whole time? 
So brief summary of this is there are three girls, two of whom have been uh, childhood friends since they were eight years old. And then in 1985, when they are 17 years old, uh, I believe, or at least uh, the, the murderer was 17 years old, she and this other girl, who is also somewhat friends with uh, the victim, Missy slash Jenny, they lure her into the mountains here in the Angeles forest and they drown her in eight inches of water and then they place a hundred pound log over her to make sure that she's dead and then they proceed to uh lie about where they were that night and it gets really fucked up this is the craziest shit because then ellen slash karen in real life the girl who had been friends with missy since she was eight years old moves in with the family, the grieving family, and proceeds to try to help them find the murderers and is taking control of everything. And she lives with them for like months. I think it was eight months or something. They're eventually caught uh, three years later only because there's a fourth girl with them who drove the car, one of the cars up into the Angeles forest. She was guilt-ridden. She comes forward to the police and tells them everything that happened. And that's how they catch these two women. Now, these two women were in prison for only about 22 years they are both free and karen who's the mastermind who lived with the family and just really fucked with them tormented them beyond just murdering this woman's child she comes out she writes a book about it goes on dr phil does a whole press circuit she claims that she didn't do anything uh she didn't do the killing that the other girl did and that Missy wasn't also all that innocent. She cast aspersions on Missy, the victim, saying that she was into drugs and she was promiscuous. And she's, I fucking hate this woman. She's a sociopath. And uh, Dr. the fact that Dr. Phil let her go on the show. I mean, we were talking like a few weeks ago about Dr. Phil. This is reason enough to hate Dr. Phil right here. So anyway, there was a big uproar from the family. They got the a law passed in California that you can't profit off of your crimes if it's a murder, I think, of a minor. And I'm actually not sure if it passed. But regardless, the book publisher then turned around and said, we're making this book available for free of charge. So Karen doesn't get any money off of it. Oh, her real name was Karen? I just made that up. Yeah, no, yeah, it's Karen's funny. a term for a, a, a middle-aged white woman who is, uh, you know, get off my lawn. And that's what Lifetime is. Yeah, it's 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 pretty wild that that's become the term of the day. And this woman's name is Karen, and she's, uh, she's awful. So that's just a brief synopsis of this story. And we get to see it depicted here in this Lifetime movie. I used to make prank phone calls and I went by the name Karen Smith. Oh, there you go. Mentioning prank phone calls. So during the time that Karen was living with the family in the, the months after the murder, she was deflecting a lot of the uh, attention onto others. One of them was this girl named Chrissy. I believe that that's a, um, uh, a fake name uh, used in the book that I read about this to protect the identity of this girl. But she would making prank phone calls to this girl saying that she was Missy and saying that you murdered me and now I'm going to come get you. And then she would... She spread this rumor all around town. This girl was believed by most people to be the murderer. Her car windows would get smashed. They would scrawl murderer on the hood of her car in chalk on the sidewalk outside of her house. This girl had to leave the area completely tormented by Karen 
and perhaps other people in the in the um, community too. But they suspect they suspect that it was Karen who was doing most of it, smashing the windows and all that shit. They should have they should have incorporated that into the movie because I mean the the actress that played her she looks like somebody that would murder her friends so they did a great job casting there but they didn't really show too much she did the oh this guy did it it was this person and so they they were going on a goose hunt like that or when she did the thing where she you know she came to her in a dream or she was going to let her lead her in the woods whatever that was a little bit weird but they should have shown the torment that was happening. That's a pretty big chunk of the story. Well, <laughs> what's crazy is that it is kind of just ancillary. Like that alone would be crazy enough. But all this stuff that they showed when we were watching this, this is why I, I crawled down the rabbit hole of doing a little bit more reading on this because I'm like, oh, come on. Now they're padding it out. Like the 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 writers are padding out this story. They're just kind of amping it up. Of course, she oh, didn't, right. they didn't go into the woods in the, in the site where the murder happened and see the names carved on the tree. That was just an element, like a story writing element from the beginning when you see them carving their names into the tree. That shit all happened. The shit about her her uh, saying that her daughter was having dreams of Missy and drowning yeah. and stuff like that. That actually happened. I thought for sure that was bullshit. That actually happened. They actually called it's- the police and tried to spin it that way because she was always fucking with the investigation. But my question is, and I know it's easy to castigate the police in these situations, but how fucking stupid could they be? For real. Especially when you're talking about now she's making prank phone calls to some girl saying she's Missy. You murder me. I'm like, how the fuck are you not at least we're sitting and having a conversation with you? Well, they didn't know. They didn't know who it was at this time. This came this comes out later. So that that well, that part. I also was curious about where the fuck her daughter might have been for those eight months while she was shacking up with uh, Patty Duke. Oh, she was living there. She was living there with him. Yeah, and and her kids just nowhere to be seen. <laughs> oh, in the in the movie, that's that might be because they were on a yeah. tight shoot. I, I'm actually, as you say that, I think they were on a tight, probably on a tight shoot. Oh, tight production budget. on Lifetime movies are very quick. Okay, yeah. My friend was in one. I did a Skype thing with my agency, and they were talking about the casting directors, how quick you have to be on Lifetime movies. You got to memorize the lines real quick because you only get two or three takes because they're they're on a tight shift. So they, they, they produce them. It's like a factory. Everyone's just like quick cash. And then they, they produce them real low budget and then air it. Like, and with that, they probably have long days. There are very strict uh, rules about children on sets. So they probably they probably would have liked to do more with the kid. But we don't have we can't wait around for the next day for the kids only have that limited several hour window, which they can shoot. And they can only shoot for like an hour at a time or something like that. Yeah. Aaron, you mentioned that you thought the actress playing Ellen slash Karen was good. Uh, no, <laughs> I, not as an actress. Oh, okay. <laughs> she, <laughs> the look. You got the look. She got the look that we were going for, for that actress. But yeah, there was nothing believable about, and not that I think Patty Duke is some superstar, mm-hmm. but I just feel like she had done some shit. She had acted with some real actors. And I, I feel like when she was filming this number, she must have been like, what the fuck has it come to? <laughs> 
I would agree with you. I thought Patty Duke, you could tell that she had some acting chops. She she wasn't yeah. bad. It was just like she was in this, as you say, like, how did I end up here? But I think the paycheck probably s- smooths out those those concerns because she pro- she was definitely the, the highest paid on this set. Yeah, she's the big name. But I did kind of think that the woman who played Ellen slash Karen, I thought she was pretty good because she was so loathsome. And the way that she played it where there's this element just beneath the surface of hostility and this need for control, which is uh, what a sociopath, which is what this Karen is in real life. I mean, to just to do all of this. And I, I like the way that they played it where they didn't go for any sympathetic element, but that there's that they were playing her as a straight sociopath. And I kind of appreciated that just even some with some of the shots of the eyes and stuff like that. There's not a whole lot to appreciate in a Lifetime yeah. movie. So I was, I was, they were like, don't wash your hair through this whole thing. We want it nice and greasy. Yeah. Oh, because that's one of the things that they say. Well, the only thing that they missed with Ellen, if she really wanted to go for that Emmy and we are talking about the actress Margaret Welsh is she would have had to put on another 100 pounds or so because Karen uh, was obese. She was 5'2", 200 pounds and she only got bigger. All right. Well, here's the thing about Lifetime. When you watch it, you're going to be like, oh no, she looks so innocent. How could she do it? And then dun, 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 camera angle. But I don't feel like they yeah. ever went for that with her. I don't think they were ever going for that. I think they said, you know what? The real girl is Latina, but we're going to let a white girl play her. So we, do we really want a fat girl walking around the set? Let's just get yeah. somebody thin to, to play Ellen. And they did what they could by dressing her in those frumpy clothes with the, the, yeah. you know, the overalls. They did what they could to make her look bigger. They gave her the Winona look from Stranger Things. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's totally. cracked out, Jack. The, although Winona had the, the meth look and this would be, I mean, Karen slash Ellen is straight white trash and um, they should have shown her drinking a lot more because that's uh, uh, apparently what uh, this woman ended up doing and ballooned up quite nicely and still has and she went to uh beauty school started it on the one year anniversary of killing her friend became a beautician i'd just like to point out karen that it did not take because if you look at her today she looks like the lead singer of killing joke i don't know killing joke but i know what karen severson looks like yeah it's hideous it's not good (laughs) yeah and on dr phil she's just such a fucking liar oh she's and dr phil doesn't get up in her shit like i wanted him to oh did you watch the whole thing i just saw a clip and i was like i can't really i just saw clips i didn't see the whole thing i couldn't find the whole thing to watch oh okay he didn't go what the hell's wrong with you yeah you should go to the pmp center in dallas texas what's that so uh Usually, if someone if, if he has a rebellious teenage girl, he's like, I'm going to take you to the PMP Center in Dallas, Texas <laughs> with my friend. Well, this was uh, when Karen was, what, 42, looking like she's 85 with a thyroid problem. Uh, so she she probably wouldn't he probably wouldn't have recommended that. But um, oh, he has a kid's ranch, too. That's where he take catch me outside at. <laughs> uh, yeah. How about that? I love that. How girl. about that? 
Did you say she's a joy? Catch me outside. Is that what you just said? No. What does that mean? This this led to a breakup because uh, she was obsessed with that shit. Daytime television makes me really angry. Same with this stuff. I'm just like it. Just it's definitely it's it's the downer watching any of like daytime television. I'll agree. That's not any way to get your day started, dude. I'm like surfing. I get back and it's like you're gonna feel like shit. Don't listen to Doctor Oz. Don't listen to the doctors. Fuck them all. Not gonna do anything. You're not gonna change your life. You're just gonna repeat, repeat. Dr. Phil has, I've seen him go in on people before. And I was annoyed that he just kind of was like, well, what what exactly are you thinking when all this stuff is happening? Like, what was so wrong? What was wrong with you that you didn't that you thought this was okay? We're like, I think he should have really given her some business. She's on there saying like, oh, you know, I didn't I didn't hold her head underwater. I didn't place the log on her. Yeah. But I did turn my back and walk away. And like, she's like, you know, that hurts more than if I could say that I physically did the log myself and like fake crying. That is infuriating because that is not what happened at all. It is actually the reverse. So I have a lot more sympathy for the uh, Laura. Laura Doyle and Carla in the movie. Yeah. I have a lot more sympathy for Laura because I do think that Laura got pulled along. This is kind of like the Columbine issue where Dylan Klebold, he's like the tall, like gawky looking one. And then Eric Harris was the one who was like the military buzz cut. Eric Harris was the clinical psychopath. He'd been diagnosed as a psych- uh, psychopath because he'd been uh, arrested before for breaking into a, 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 a van or something. But uh, the evidence, there's strong evidence to suggest that Dylan Klebold probably didn't even kill anyone, but it was all Eric. He got pulled along. Dylan just wanted to kill himself. Uh, That's going into Columbine. And I feel that there's a similar thing happening here because Karen is the clear sociopath and she set this all up and Laura got just sucked into something. Yeah, she want they probably she probably thought they were just going to beat her up. Um, These are kind of like uh, these, these are rough and tumble girls, but did not want to murder anybody but she got pulled into it and now karen has killed uh missy and you're there and now you're fucked because uh, you you know she could have gone i mean she's not completely innocent but i'm saying that i do have a lot more sympathy i would i am a little more forgiving of just the sense of you her serving her time and getting out versus karen who should never have gotten out i mean obviously laura was totally in the wrong and needed to be punished but I do feel that there's a little, a lot more uh, in the re- the real life story where she, you know, you're 17. I think she got pulled into something and she was there when Karen really did all of this. And now Karen well, is turning around. Well, I don't know. Did you see what the real Laura looks like? Well, I saw some of the, the, the teenage pictures of her. She's a rough looking bitch. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, she looks yeah. Like- she could get real nasty. And also, like, why is she not doing any interviews? Because I couldn't find any anywhere with her. Well, and that's kind of speaks to what what is. my argument is because she doesn't want she doesn't want any attention. And the yeah. fact that Karen wants all this attention, wants to profit from it afterward is just another sign of that sociopathy and wanting no to remorse. control. Yeah, she has nothing. And she's trashing the, the murder victim. And then, of course, 
spinning it so that it, it wasn't her that did it. It was all Laura. And again, this is speculation on my part. I could be totally wrong, but I do. I mean, I, I, I'm not trying to paint this other girl as, as an angel. I mean, listen, even if she did it, let's say Laura and her did equal parts to murder Missy. Yeah. She goes and moves in the fucking house. Come on. Well, that's Karen. Karen did. That's Karen. That's some psycho shit. That's what I'm saying. So let's let's say that Karen and Laura did equal parts in the murder. Uh-huh. That they both held her down. They both put the log over, gave a high five afterward, and then took off. Yeah. Karen went ahead and moved into the house, which is just, that is beyond crazy. Beyond crazy. And then, so in the... um. The movie, they don't carry this as far as it went in real life with her. Um, I just I mentioned the example of this girl, Chrissy, that she was harassing and saying that she was involved in it. She was uh, um, also pinning blame on her ex-boyfriend, Jimmy, in the book I, I read. I think it's Randy in real life. And I sorry, I can't remember. Dan the on this one. Dan. Dan. And they do that scene where she is like, oh, you know, he was... He was upset that she rejected him or whatever. And then she, while she's at the Avila's house with the family and the friends, calls up so that the other people can listen in and then uh, accuses him. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. You're the one who hated Missy. And then she starts screaming and calling you a liar, right? Always deflecting and trying to control the, the scenario. In real life, she took that so far as to convince two of Missy's friends, two guys, to kill him. And they made two attempts. There was one attempt. They put him in the hospital. They beat the shit out of him, put him in the hospital. He didn't want to file a police report. And then the next time they showed up with a gun because Karen was pissed off that they didn't kill him. She was controlling this. They almost killed this guy and he was completely innocent. She is so fucked up. So fucked up to believe a goddamn word that comes out of her mouth. Dr. Phil is a piece of shit. You're right for not taking it to her. That's fucking wild. I know they showed in the movie that Ellen sends Steve's going to go kill him, but he comes back. Patty Duke's like, uh-uh, we're not doing any of that. Oh, did I miss that? <laughs> and then he, yeah, comes, yeah. he comes walking back in. Oh, okay. And they're like, did you kill him? And he's like, no, I didn't, whatever. But, or no, he said he like got there and, and he saw him. And it just clicked like he didn't think he did it. Oh, okay. Interesting. That's how they played it. Oh, okay. So they did have that part. Maybe that is what happened. Maybe the dudes that showed up with the gun were like talking to him and they were like, no. Oh, no. Yeah, they didn't seem like he did it. Yeah, they just saw him from the car and then there were two of them. And then the one just said, no, 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 this is something isn't right here. But they did put him in the hospital. So they were like the the first attempt. Oh, they mentioned that part. Yeah. Well, that's just a Friday night. Right. Yeah. (laughs) It's, it's a Friday night in uh, Altadena. Where are they? No. Uh, Probably by uh, Tahunga. It's deep in the San Fernando Valley. Yeah. Did they ever reference where they were in the movie? No. Did it feel like California to me? It didn't. Well, that part of the valley is so deep where it it doesn't scream Southern California. And I think it, I think it's more relatable if they the way they film it to uh, not let people know. Yeah. This could be happening in any one of our backyards. Yeah. Do you yeah. really know who you're? friend your kids are friends with yeah just more fear and shit you know you can tell she died at 30 minutes it works out so she can fill out her busy say by the bell schedule you know they're like all right 30 minutes all right get murdered get murdered and then get to class yeah 
she didn't take her clothes off like Jesse Spano did in Showgirls, but she allowed them to film a raging camel toe in those yellow shorts in the scene when they're walking through the mall before her friend steals the bathing suit bottoms. Oh, I missed that. Oh, yeah, it was in the beginning. It's out of control. And they show you as she's walking by... Every guy that she walks by, they're all checking out her ass. Yes. Yeah, you see that scene where they look at her? Like, yo, what's up, girl? And the camera, like, zooms into her crotch where you can see she's got, I mean, it is a full-on camel toe. Oh, my God. How old was she at this time? Because she looked pretty young. Was she 18? I'm sure she was. Lifetime would never. Okay. All right. Yeah, bringing up that scene. So I didn't notice her ass in that scene, but I noticed her ass when she was in jeans and then when she's at Ellen's place and goes to the refrigerator. And that's the scene where I was like, wow, this Tiffany Amber Thiessen, she's got a great ass. So um, she should have joined Elizabeth Berkeley and Showgirls, gotten to uh, gotten to see that she's hot. But I didn't. I don't yeah, care for some of those '90s fashions. She did look good. I like the top when they were in the mall. But yeah, those shorts down to your knee, please. What are that we talking about? That fashion's back in style. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. I know. The top is fine. Well, they're like, we're not going to show you as much leg, but as a compromise, I'll show you the outline <laughs> of my vagina. How would that be? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, there's a great line from Ellen slash Karen, and she. Tells her someday you're going to get jumped. Nothing like uh, when your friend tells you you're going to get raped because you're attractive and dressed in thigh length shorts. Yeah. I love also when when Tiffany's still with us in the movie, when the fireworks go off, she just sits down in the middle of them. (laughs) That's when I know it was in California, because, you know, I don't know if you know about L.A., uh, we love to shoot fire M80s, no matter what part of L.A. you are, whether you're in the valley or if you're uh, where I live, south of Martin Luther King. Fireworks come out all the time. And I was like, all right, that's how I knew I was in California when uh, they shot those fireworks at her. Yeah, it's been all summer long for the past month out here, too, in the valley. Oh, they're going off every night. I, I wasn't so sure that that wasn't the, the wrong way to do it. With Her posture when they are throwing the fireworks at her just reminded me of when I wipe out uh, surfing. Is That's the exact same thing. You know, you, you, you cover your head Not and you bring proper. your knees up to try to prevent the board from hitting hitting you in the dick and so that was it she was protecting her camel toe in her head yeah exactly she's like this camel toe of mine is you know it's a major selling point in this house (laughs) it's what's gonna draw in viewers too yeah i mean i will say what happened with dan when he pulls her down onto the chair Yes. He got her. So that's like, you can't necessarily get away. But then with Steve, I mean, that was a pretty, like, that was an extended kiss. Oh, and that's our introduction to Laura. Doyle. Yeah. And I just, I had to keep just using the real names at this point. But yeah, I kind of did enjoy that. Again, from when we're just talking about the movie and the cheesiness of the movie. Yeah, the kiss and then the the pan to the car. And she's yeah, the pan to the car just, to look. Yeah, she gets to look the squinty eyes. <laughs> that was a laugh out loud moment. I was like, oh, well, that can't be good. <laughs> you know, you got you to gotta let the audience know. And then I like how uh, that character post murder when they show her and and this is true. She became a raging alcoholic and uh, drug addict using a lot of cocaine, probably again from the guilt. She has guilt. Karen does not. But um, when they show her, they dressed her to look like Axel from Guns N' Roses, right? She looked exactly <laughs> like it with the teased out hair and she's got the red hair. I like how the time when Ellen calls Carla and 
she's rocking away in a room, a dark room, just sitting by the phone when it rings. Yeah, that's the, the scene that I was thinking of, <laughs> which kind of looks like, uh, like if she just had a, uh, the straight jacket and in the electric chair, it would have been straight uh, Axl Rose from uh, uh, what? Welcome to Paradise? Yeah. No, wait, not Welcome to Paradise. That's not Green Day. Not Welcome to Paradise. Uh, welcome, welcome to the, to the jungle. jungle. Yeah, Welcome to the Jungle. <laughs> welcome to Paradise. The fuck? But what the the dialogue for this was just garbage. So yeah. it was hilarious. I mean, the different things that they said to one another, it was hilarious. I, I, there's a lot of expository dialogue at the beginning too. Well, I, I love the. It was a kind of clever but still ridiculous device at the beginning to get across that these girls have been friends since they were eight years old. Where we're watching the old home movies, but we're this is in the middle of a pool party. And then the guy comes walking in and starts making out. With, with, oh, like, yeah. what, what, what? You know, dry yourself off before you come walking in here and bust up our reminiscing. It, it was really weird, but eh. yeah. Like, do you mind? Do you guys mind making out not in front of ten people? Yeah, yeah. Would that be cool with you? And the mom. I think in '95, we did it in the closet. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, seven minutes in heaven. Go ahead. Yeah. Or the bathroom, bathroom floors. Yeah. While your friends are drinking in the other room. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I think this is Steve. Oh, my God. Because some of the fashion. So we talked about um, Jenny's fashions here in the mall. But then it's not. It's later on in the park. Uh, what is that? Like a Labor Day weekend party or something like that? It's in the yeah, park. Yeah, I think so. Because they were just starting school. And then we see Jenny's boyfriend, Steve. So this is Steve. And he's wearing Daisy Duke. <laughs> Daisy Dukes and a jean jacket and he asks are you okay after this motorcycle incident where kind of like this is like kind of bonkers North Shore first 20 minutes of North Shore shit where yeah, all of yeah. a sudden there's a motorcycle coming tearing through and terrorizes her and then he just drives off uh, but he asks are you okay and no she's not Steve you look like a retarded Canadian what, what the hell kind of outfit is that it was awesome <laughs> I did love I that watched too much hair metal that's what happened the cutoff jean shorts. My dad hit a pair of those, and uh, that he would use to do yard work. And over the years, you know, because jeans fray, so they kept getting shorter and shorter. Oh wear. yeah. <laughs> How short were they? Were they fingertip length? By the time he by the end, it was the kind where you can see like the pockets oh. <laughs> hanging yeah, out he'd below. Be, he'd be getting sent home from school if he showed up in those little tight ones. <laughs> That's right. Or the little short ones. We, yeah, he kept getting a. Uh, Hoots and hollers when the car's driving by. Oh, you got a lot of whistles? He was bending over in front of the cars. Did he have some hair? <laughs> Hosing himself down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's when he's washing the car. Right, yeah, he's got the suds. Yeah. And he's, yeah. he's on the hood of the down. car so that he can scrub the roof. <laughs> yeah, the, the hood of our Chrysler LeBaron. <laughs> oh, yeah. Look at Your that. mom's Bento. on the inside watching the windshield. <laughs> He was very passionate about the yard work and washing cars. Did you do it shirtless? Oh, I mean, it was a tank top. Okay. Was it one of those 80s tank tops that dudes wore that one of their nipples was going to have to hang out <laughs> at all times? It was a t-shirt that he cut off the sleeves and then the <laughs> collar was torn. So it was kind of, yeah, hanging down. Oh, for sure. Got at the 4-H band. The, the last fling out there in Naperville. That's where he got that shirt. <laughs> got that with the glory days. All nice and sweaty. Oh, man. It's a good thing my dad doesn't listen to these. He says that we're uh, too crass for his taste. Okay. <laughs> so. My dad doesn't mind it so much. Oh, okay. Good. Yeah, he's from Jersey. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, this is a complete sidebar, but my dad told me that he listened to Alec Baldwin's new podcast. Okay. And he interviews Kyle MacLachlan on there. Oh. Yeah. Oh, this is not a sidebar. So, well, because he was like, yeah, I know your, your buddy on there really likes that guy. Yeah. So let him know. And he's like, but they also talk about showgirls. Oh. About Elizabeth Berkeley and how like they both thought she was like such a sweet, nice person. And that like, you know, they felt bad for how her career tanked after that movie. I'm sure there's more that you'd be interested in listening to. But that's just the little clip that he gave me. I like my coffee black. Apple pie. Now, you said that that was a sidebar. That's not. And I'm so glad you brought it up. I only have two uh, references to Twin Peaks in here, but I believe that oh, they are valid. When, when I saw the body, I'm like, this is this is a bad recreation of the death of Laura Palmer. Okay, yeah, maybe. But it, but again, at the same time, like because this is the, the true story and that is the way that it happened, I can't really give it that as much. Okay. But the, the element where it did just scream out to me, because remember, this is 1992. This is like Twin Peaks has been huge right now yeah. like this is like the heyday of twin peaks oh that's when twin peaks came out wow yeah yeah it was like nine so i can't remember if this is like post season two or in the midst of season two maybe this is around the time of the movie i can't remember but when they show the uh the shot of the newspaper clippings and it's so terribly done in 1992 word perfect where they've tried to make this look like a newspaper it looks nothing like a newspaper but they have the picture of missy or i'm sorry jenny and that picture the minute i saw it i'm like oh that is so evocative of laura palmer's prom picture there's no way that that's an accident and then i mentioned that to my wife she didn't believe me of course because she's tired of all my twin Peaks stuff but i pulled up the picture and showed it and like it's the same kind of pose and head cock i mean that picture of laura palmer laura palmer's prom picture is like iconic from twin peaks and they were doing yes. that there because it is sort of similar so right I, they're, they're no, but I want to jump in there and say that I believe it could be glamour shots, that that's where both were inspired by, because that would have been right around the time that that was a thing that was starting to come up in America. And I got some glamour shots done. Now, are glamour shots just in general or are they like a specific thing? Maybe I'm not familiar. Oh, no. Glamour shots was a like a store in the mall where you would go in and a makeup artist would do your makeup and you'd get your hair done. And then they gave you these outfits. You could put different outfits on and and get pictures. I didn't see Laura's picture, but I know that the picture in this movie, she just not caked with makeup, but just that like general position. Yeah. Could have been an inspiration. Kind of had that. Um, well, I guess I was thinking senior photos, but or just like every yearbook photo. Well, yeah, you know, every, I think I, that's yeah, true. It's that kind of thing. But it, it, but I think just the the posture and the and the headcock and the smile, like the smile. There was something even similar about the smile. But um, I I don't know. I, I was making I was making that connection kind of weak. Are you going to make a reference to Dune too as well? <laughs> no, no, I've never Not seen that Dune. Far. That's that's the hole in my uh, Lynchian retrospective. But he, he doesn't really consider that one of his movies um the other thing is that when the mom is 
delivered the news that her, you know, her daughter has been murdered. I'm reluctant to say this because, again, it really happened in real life. But just the way that it's done in this movie, at least, um, it's not as effective. Petty Duke is fine. But when you compare that to the way that the news is delivered in the pilot to Twin Peaks, it's so much more effective. It's the same kind of it's the same scene, but it's been so much more effective. And with that actress who plays Laura's mom, that scream and she's on the phone with um, her husband Leland and he just sees the police coming and he says why are the police here and then she knows just from that and it's it's like Izzy kind of chills in her scream but in here it's just kind of done really really blase there's just yeah. a difference in direction you know that well, makes one are you saying the director was just like alright money well he did direct be. Larry the Cable Guy in Witless okay. Protection so let's not let's not get too down on him <laughs> he's he's an auteur I missed that one. <laughs> oh, which brings us to the detectives who have to deliver this information. Oh. And yikes. yeah, yikes. That woman detective. That chin. That chin, Ooh. those eyes, those lips, how the much lips. collagen. What is going on there? I love that the detective looks like she's been under the knife 30 times. <laughs> yeah, on a detective's salary. Because that's pretty pretty stereotypical of a detective. Yeah, right. I know. Oh, and they do so many close-ups of her. It was That was the real horror. I almost thought she did it. <laughs> yeah, it would have it would have made a lot more sense. I, I would have believed it. I would have gone on with, gone along with it. Yeah. Her partner is the guy who auditioned for Donald Glover's parts. <laughs> and he and he got the lifetime parts. I liked him. Uh, I do like because again this scene where they have Laura in the in, Laura the real name in the interrogation room and then they just come out like well psh, I can't get anywhere with her. Hey you. Oh, yeah, no, Ellen says, let me get in there and give a little whirl at her and see what we come up with. And they're like, yeah, no, sure. There, I don't think there's anything in the protocol that would frown upon this. Yeah, this is the the friend, hey, friend of the dead girl with a baby out of wedlock who can't afford a pomegranate wants to conduct a witness interview. Let's let her take the reins. It was nuts, but it's true that they did that. Spoon in the victim's mom. <laughs> Nightly. Let's let her get a crack at this bitch. Here's why these detectives deserve to be shit on. All right. Like the, the real life ones, too. You have the person who was last seen with this girl, Laura, the redhead one, the Axel Rose character. Carla. Yeah, Carla. She's the last person seen with your dead person, your victim. And her story is that, oh, we went to a park and then she was with some guys with a, who had a blue Camaro. A red Monte Carlo. And then I left to go get gas. And when I came back, she was gone. You left. When was the last time that you were with somebody and you left to go get gas? Don't you usually just say, mm, I guess we'll just get gas on the way back. Where, whenever we leave. Yeah, I'll when you're done blowing these guys, I got to get gas. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So stupid. And then you would just say, uh, this is like a couple days later, right? We were starting the investigation or a day later. I think it was like a couple days later. 
Hmm, let's check the gas tank. Let's see how much gas is left in it. Is there a lot of gas? If there's not a lot of gas, how much driving did you do in these last two days? Where did you go? Why? Like you just start, like why would you just not follow through on the, there has there's so many holes there that you could follow through on. Well, that like, one would be difficult though too because <laughs> Carla and Lara, both girls strike me as the kind of girls that are not filling up every time they go to the gas station. That's true yeah. too. I don't know. So, Start with like, which gas station did you go plus to? Plus if we're going back, oh yeah, no, they could have definitely done more. They could have found these girls out a lot sooner than they did. Yeah. Because how, what it, was it like almost two years? Three before, years. Three, it was three, three years, years before later. they found out. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Only because the fourth girl felt guilty who wasn't involved in the crime, but simply drove one of the cars there simply because she felt guilty and came forward. If not, they say that she probably would have gotten away with it. Are you fucking kidding me? And they, I love how in the movie they paint it like uh, Detective Lips is going to leave no stone unturned and she's hot on the trail. So it takes you three years to find the two bitches that are right underneath your nose. And one of them keeps feeding you leads that go nowhere. What kind nowhere. of detective are you? Yes. You can't tell that this bitch is completely full of shit? No way to identify a psychological disorder of a, a, a person who's claiming to be some sort of like witness or, you know, a friend and... Ah, God, friend of the family. And it's so, and then it, 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 reading the book, it's like, hmm, something felt a bit odd, you know? And it's like, yeah, you think this woman is now <laughs> come in and live? I know that she's a childhood friend, but uh, a week before she was murdered, there are reports that she attacked Missy with and threatened her with a bottle, like <laughs> like a beer bottle. They're not great friends. They, they've had like ups and <laughs> ups and downs and... A week before she was murdered, there's the scene that other people witnessed where they said, yeah, she threatened her with a bottle. This is not just normal teenage fights. This is like serious stuff. But, oh, well, I don't know. We haven't had the fourth uh -oh. person come by and tell us. So I guess we'll just have to keep looking for a red Monte Carlo. This story makes sense. You know, yeah. Idiots. Sounds suspicious. But I guess the detective was more concerned with where she's going under the knife next. Yeah. Well, you know, you got priorities, you know. <laughs> you got to have priorities. Yeah. So it's shortly after Thanksgiving dinner here in, in the uh, Avila's, or this is uh, Jean's, Jean's house, right, the family. So the girl who is the one who will later provide the confession that leads to everyone getting uh, charged, uh, the girl who drove one of the cars but ran away when they started beating her up, she's there at the Thanksgiving dinner, and then Ellen slash Karen threatens her in the kitchen right and pulls out the knife and cuts her face yeah and oh yeah when it's a year later in this movie oh yeah she gets she still has a scar no it's not even a scar it's still a fresh cut it's a year later and she still has a fresh cut on her cheek it's not a scar <laughs> she she reopened it on the year anniversary this is yeah. a form of punishment or she just keeps opening it back up because now it becomes like a fetish she's a cutter <laughs> I have a note uh, here where they're at the, um, I think this is the funeral scene, uh, or it's at the grave. Maybe it's not the funeral scene, but uh, Jean, this is the mother, says, and I can't remember who she's speaking to. She says, I won't give up. I won't stop looking for revenge. And I just have noted here that this is her talking to her film career because this is where she's uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> ended up. 
Kathy is the uh, girl who provides the confession. Did you know in the confession room, <laughs> did you guys notice there is smoke? They have this confession room oh, filled yeah, with the smoke. smoke. There is no one smoking in this room. So in this confession room, they just like to keep an ambiance. They got a dry dry ice machine underneath the table just for when they do bring in suspects that they can uh, uh, harangue. That was pretty wild. That's a Lifetime movie right there. That's their budget. There's also what they didn't show on the opposite side of the room. There's a skeleton that lights up and growls at you <laughs> oh, when yeah. you walk by it. We have fun at this police station, you know. <laughs> yeah. We don't want you to. I mean, we're police, but we're fun. We're police, but that doesn't mean we're peop- We're not people, too. No, <laughs> just tell us the truth. Toward the end, we see some footage of them as kids, and they're swimming. So I just noted, too, that Jean taught these girls how to swim, so she's no Mrs. Voorhees. She's much better. Okay, and you know what I didn't like here is, like, I thought that that was better time to be showing clips of the actual girls. But I guess they figured, oh, yeah, it's they're going to be a little thrown when they see the actual victim versus what we had her looking like Ooh. and the killer. But you know how they'll do that at the end of movies that are based on a true story? They'll show you clips of the actual family, the actual people. Yeah. But they don't want to do that because she's Latina. Oh, right. That would be confusing for the audience. <laughs> and and then you got big fat Karen. I was invested in a white girl's murder. I don't want it. Now I'm totally thrown off. I didn't want to sit here and watch a Latina girl's murder. I would have never put this on. I don't care. That's what they do in the hood. Or is <laughs> it right. called the barrio in Spanish? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> That's your lifetime movie. Yeah, so I think it's because, you know, this was all... I don't think they even said based on a... Or they... Because at the end, they did have what had happened to those characters. But they were using different names. So I'm not sure if they really... It felt like they kind of wanted to skirt around the fact that this is a true story. Because it makes them feel Maybe less trashy. Maybe they couldn't get full rights from everybody. You know, and it makes people feel a little less trashy for watching it too like i do feel a little uncomfortable doing like these true crime ones and then having to talk knowing that they're actual real victims out there but this was such a fascinating story and so infuriating and watching some lifetime movies because i don't think i've ever seen a lifetime movie before i don't know how the next one is going to be because this one was compelling at a certain point i just i did kind of tune out because i'm like oh this is ridiculous this didn't happen then to find out that they didn't make up shit in here they really didn't. They co- they collapsed and condensed some storylines. You know, it wasn't obviously some of the dialogue wasn't very good because it has to be super efficient to get action between commercial breaks and all of that. But it was compelling and it did draw you in. I mean, it just keeps getting nuttier and nuttier. It was, and it's, and I even hate saying entertaining because again, there are real victims here who are still alive. The mother, uh, will note that the mother of Missy died uh, earlier this year in January. Oh, sad. And just to, uh, just, you almost, 2020 is not that great, you know, sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> And she apparently still lived in the house, in the neighborhood, and Karen's family lived, I don't know if it was next door, lived a few houses away, and they still live there. So she, for the rest of her life, had to constantly see that family of the girl who murdered her daughter, who claimed to be her friend, 
I mean, it, it's such a sad, sad twist. I've never come across anything this fucked up before. Like that's why I did get drawn into it and was trying to read through that entire book. The book, the true crime book, um, is not bad. I mean, the it, the writing isn't certainly isn't top notch, but it is interesting just for the facts of it. It is called Missy's Murder. It's by Karen Kingsbury. I recommend it. It's a it's a pretty swift read but um it really does illustrate all the fucked up shit so is anybody in seinfeld in this (laughs) 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 there's gotta be a seinfeld connection now aaron is this the first time that you'd seen this one oh yeah okay now this is not tiffany's only lifetime movie oh really oh she was in one post saved by the bell and during 90210 era called she fought alone which was one of my favorite lifetime numbers brian austin green was also in it but you can't i already tried to find it to stream it doesn't look like it's happening but i had not seen this i hadn't even heard of this one but when i looked up missy and karen and everybody i think they did a dateline or any one of those true crime on a id channel I think I've seen this story before because the story sounded familiar, but I definitely never saw that movie. Yeah, I'm surprised that I hadn't heard about this story before either. I don't know why I'm surprised because, but I, well, the reason why I'm surprised is because this is so bonkers and over the top that this, again, it's, it's really hard to wrap your mind around the fact that this teenage girl murdered her friend and then moved in with the family and was sending them on these wild goose chases. This stuff where they go out to the murder scene, they're up there at the murder scene in the Angeles Mountains, and um, there was nothing in the papers that specified where the murder occurred. So she took all these people there. She. This is the other thing about sociopaths like this. They, they think they're brilliant. They think they're the smartest person in every room. She was really fucking stupid. And she. this is another reason why she should have gotten caught. But none of these people really that she took up there realized it. But they had never specified in any of the news reports exactly where this murder occurred. And she took them up there and was saying this is where the murder occurred. That their names Jeez. were carved on the tree. And then when somebody pointed that out, she goes, oh, that's because it was Jimmy who did it. And I guess Jimmy is Randy in real life, you know, her uh, and then that's how she deflected it onto them i mean it is so fucking nuts and then almost got uh these two people to kill an innocent person she was loving it because they she loved the control she loved being the puppet master and pulling all the strings and she still wants to do that she's and dr phil gave her the fucking platform for it when she got out still manipulating i know oh god him and jay mcgraw and this is right over here this is your neck of the woods uh my backyard over here in the valley yeah so guys do you have any other uh notes anything that we missed and didn't touch on in a killer among friends i thought it was hilarious in the grocery store when she's got the daughter and she's like put it down celeste we can't afford it (laughs) the kid's like three she's like i don't fucking know what that means mom Another element of the true story that didn't get shown here, she would dress her daughter up like Missy, do the makeup, put her in clothes like Missy. It is true, too, that while Karen was living there in the house, she was wearing Missy's clothes, sitting in Missy's chair at the dinner table, sleeping in her bed, 
all this crazy shit. In her own home, she would had her walls of her room plastered with newspaper clippings about Missy, claiming that this was because, you know, she's so obsessed with her dead friend. But this is also what serial killers do. They love seeing the newspaper accounts and feeling the sense of pride and control. Yeah, the thrill of what they've done. So it's like a it's like a stand up comic with a TV credit. Is that what you're saying? That is absolutely exactly like it. That. Yes, <laughs> it's ten years on as seen on TBS. Right? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Absolutely. I'm not sure if I wouldn't be guilty of that too. If I had a TV credit, I would definitely you would use it. Right? You got to use it as currency. I was on Comic View in the '90s. I just I wonder about how was Big Fat Karen wearing Missy's clothes. That's a good point. That's kind of I just listened to our episode of Cobra today. Came out yesterday, guys. Um, and it, it reminds me of the ex murderer guy. <laughs> oh, fuck off. <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's a, a, how he fits a Trojan on. It's the same thing. Like, it's too small. No, the uh, the murderer guy who kills the janitor, uh, the diminutive Asian janitor, and somehow manages oh, yeah. to fit perfectly into his clothes. But yeah, you're right. She was. Uh, so I think, you no, know, actually, now that you mention it, right, I forgot. Karen is. A, she was a huge bitch. Yeah. But it, this was an oversized sweater this is one of those oh. <laughs> this is one of those 80, uh, 80s oversized sweaters oh, 90s. oversized on messy crop top on big fat car exactly yeah yeah that's exactly it it wasn't the jacket it was the sweater apparently and maybe some other clothes okay yeah like chris farley in tommy boy fat guy in a little yes. coat that's you karen uh, i like because again karen is so manipulative to all these people i also had noted here this is she's like an iago uh, from Shakespeare's uh, Othello, she's like this Iago character if Iago was fat and stupid. You know, I truly believe there is, we have more of a chance now than we ever have before that Karen will listen to this podcast because you know she's just Googling and just trying to lap up any last lick of you know her claim to fame. So we potentially could have, Karen could be listening right now. And I'm just, I'm worried for you now because she's close to you. I mean, I'll still call her big fat bitch, but I'm like, you know, I'm eight hours away. Yeah. She probably couldn't roll her ass up here. <laughs> yeah. She, she gets exhausted just walking from her front door to her car. Oh, yeah, you'll be fine. Oh, and by the way, she works as a telemarketer. That tells you everything you need to know. Okay. <laughs> telemarketer. Oh, dude, that's a great job here, telemarketer. <laughs> yes, it is. Dude, I worked as a telemarketer. I wanted to kill myself. Dude, the best people at telemarketers were the people who got out of prison. I had one guy who ran a uh, scam in um, Crenshaw. They call him the Wolf of Crenshaw. He was a dick. Fuck him. And then the, the really friendly guy who was a biker gang who... Uh, killed a guy you know he's doing business wow that's your telemarketers that's crazy yeah he was a real nice guy but fuck wolf crenshaw if only they knew who they were screaming at from the other end of their phones we're eating dinner right now asshole all right well let's move in to grades for a killer among friends a lifetime movie jared Oh, I'm giving this a D. This movie blows. <laughs> I can't stand anything that has anything to do with murder. I, I have very strong feelings about Lifetime. And, you know, it's just to me, it's just like it just makes people vote in fear and stuff. There was a I can't stand anything with murder. The acting's cheesy. Everyone's just trying to get a paycheck. No, I agree with a lot of that. This kind of feels like what Natural Born Killers, uh, even though that's not a great movie uh, by any yeah. means, but uh, this is part of what it was satirizing, right? We're 
taking these real life horrors and then we're sensationalizing them into a crappy made for TV movie. And to see it with the commercials interspliced would make it feel that much trashier and not trashy. I know our show is called Bandcast Movie Trash and we mean trash in like a good fun way. Like we do kind of like midnight movies and uh, and some bad movies, but uh, bad good movies. But um, this is just, it's, it's, it's using, it's taking a real life case to sell product essentially. Yeah. And it's doing it in a pretty shallow way. Uh, yes. Yeah, so I am a little conflicted. I do find the story though completely, compelling and interesting and i think that true crime can be good educationally in a sense that it's good to be aware of these things it's not good as you said though to just constantly live your life then freaked out thinking that this is around every corner but it is good i think to be somehow educated on these kinds of um i don't know if this is the correct term pathologies but psychopathy and sociopathy to just yeah. have some insight into it. And I don't think that this movie actually did a bad job, like as I said, of portraying sociopathy. They didn't go for any sympathy card with this woman where she and, and some I listened in part of my research some awful true crime podcasts on this topic. Some of them I listened oh, to geez. just partly through because I just wanted to get as much information as possible. And then I found the book, and the book was the best thing to get the information from. And you know, they talk about, oh, and I think she just, you know, maybe she did this because she felt a, a, a guilt and, um, you know, so she was trying to help. And it's just like, what the fuck are you talking about? This is a this is a an awful woman with a he's, uh, uh, anyway. I think the problem with things like this and this demographic is they live in fear and then they keep voting these tough on crime legislations that ends up, you know, creating this mess. That's interesting. I haven't thought about that. I, I, I know it's great. I, I may, I'm probably going over the top, but I just like, you know, I, I'm, I'm going feelings over facts, but I, I just think that's what happens. And it's just like, it bothers me. I, I'd have to think about that. No, I'm not totally, I'm not going to dismiss that outright. I think there's something interesting there. In some of the, the cases, perhaps, yeah, you're right. This one I would feel, it would be an example just because a woman like Karen got out after 22 years and she was tried as an adult too. She wasn't, it's not because she was tried as a minor. She needs to be in prison. So I, um, I mean, that's a long time. That's not, that's not long enough for, for someone like Karen. I, again, I'm, I'm a little more open to the, uh, the, the other one, uh, Laura Doyle, but yeah, that's interesting. That's an interesting take on the, yeah, the lifetime movies and the sensationalizing. I'm super vocal about not trying kids as adults. I think it's funny. Like when a adult fucks a seven, year old it's a big deal but you know as soon as a 17 year old commits a crime they're tried as an adult the adult brain does not develop till 25 but this is a free case too so you know it's an interesting story but i don't know i'm just you and i agree on a lot of that and um i definitely see where you're going there and i agree with a lot of that too and but i agree with uh, uh, as well what you said like this is kind of a freak case this might not fit into that that mold but i get where you're going with kind of this genre as a whole and i think there's a there, there's something there that that's interesting and, and worth um thinking about i am with you i would give this movie a d as well it's not well done if you're looking for a lifetime movie a true crime movie you're into that this one uh it moves pretty swiftly and then again just to know that this actually is true that makes it all that more i think compelling but again it's unfortunate because there are victims here and there are victims here who are still alive today 
and that kind of leaves a very bad taste in my mouth. Like I didn't need to see a movie based on this true event and this true event that at this time that this movie was made was only a couple years out from these women being convicted. So that's my grade and my take uh, as well, similar to yours. So my grade for this movie, I give it a C minus because I am a true crime lover. I like to watch this kind of stuff. And this one just wasn't getting me jazzed the way others have in the past. And uh, R.I.P. to Missy. Really sad that it happens. Sad that the actors made the movie give me parts where I'm forced to laugh at a true story about somebody being murdered. But that's, you know, talk to the casting director about that. And the uh, costume designer for those cutoff jean shorts. Not the casting director if you give me a part as a, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. a description. Well, how long do your nads dangle? Because if you're anything like Sly Stone, you're not going to be right for the part because I want this guy to be wearing really short shorts. <laughs> That's right. But it's lifetime. So you can't have your ball sack hanging out. But. We don't have money for the uh, post-production touch-ups to uh, edit out the balls hanging below the shorts. That's right. So that was uh, kind of all around low grades. Um, and actually that you mentioned it. Yeah, I'll just give another plug for the book, which I do think is interesting uh for this case missy's murder by karen kingsbury so that'll wrap up our review of a killer among friends the next in our lifetime true crime double feature is death of a cheerleader which came out two years later in 1994 it's also titled a friend to die for or something like that now this one i have seen before it's got two different titles but you can find it by a uh, death of a cheerleader and it stars a uh, tori spelling so that'll be what we are reviewing for the second in our uh, double feature that'll be out in a couple of weeks so be on the lookout for that in the meantime if you want to find out more about this show head on over to bandcast.com follow us on twitter at bandcast send us an email to bandcast at gmail.com and thank you so much for listening Or is it called the barrio in Spanish?